Good morning. How are we all? I was kind of looking out the corner of my eye when Jess announced that we had uh, guest Wi-Fi. Everyone's eyes went from looking at Jess to looking at their devices. It's like, probably could have timed that one better. But anyway, 21st century problems. I'm really excited that you're here this morning. We're launching a brand new series called, well, it's either called Infinite or Infinity, depending on whether you tilt your head sideways or not. It's going to be an eight-week series telling and teaching around eight of the greatest stories forever told. And uh, I really want to challenge you and, and invite you and encourage you to be here for every one of those eight stories. Because here's a couple of the ideas behind it. Number one, unfortunately, some people have uh, bought into the idea that the Bible is boring and or irrelevant. And I understand that. Okay, but here's the deal. You may think that, and if you do, it could be because of one of two things. Either you're reading it wrong, or it's, you've been in situations where it's been preached in a boring way. And we have a rule here at Elevate. If you preach the Bible, which is the greatest story ever told, if you preach that in a boring way, somebody has the permission to kill you. Okay, that's the rule. All right. So we have a secret assassin planted here this morning. I can't tell you who they are, otherwise they wouldn't be secret. But they have a gun. And if this next 25, 30 minutes is boring, this is be the last 25, 30 minutes that I'm alive. That's the deal. So we're going to teach eight of the greatest stories forever told, but not teach them just in, in the sense of a history lesson. As, you know, looking back at characters and, 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 and thinking, oh, isn't that wonderful? Or how entertaining, etc. But rather understand that there are principles... And there are patterns that can be revealed in those stories that are very exciting and, and more importantly, very relevant for us today. And the reason that stories that are, that are thousands of years old are still relevant today is because we serve and follow the same God that was involved in those stories thousands of years ago. And secondly, the human nature hasn't changed. What's in us, what's in our hearts is the same as what's in the hearts of the people that we're going to be looking at and telling their stories. And the reason I want you to be here for every one of those eight weeks, and here's the spoiler. When you read the Bible, there's actually only one story. It's one meta story. It's a big idea. And the big idea is that God created us in his image and likeness, formed the earth for us to dwell in, so that he could be in relationship with us. That was his motivation. Problem is, we screwed up. Right back at the beginning of the story. Yay, humans. Go team. And, and God has been pursuing us ever since for the rest of eternity, trying to get back to having that relationship with us. And so every story that we might read in isolation is part of the biggest story that God longs to live with us. No barriers in what he calls paradise. Pretty good. So be here. Now, we're going to take a deep dive straight away. Uh, there's a lot of fumes coming up right now. So this could become one of the silliest messages I've ever preached, but I take no responsibility for it. Now we have the guest Wi-Fi. Some of you uh, have found it. Some of you have some technical issues and you're blaming the equipment you're using. You might want to consider a user error, but anyway, 
jump onto the Bible app, version. I was listening to the, uh, the leader of the church that created this Bible app uh, this week, listened to an interview with him. This Bible app um, has now been downloaded 182 million times around the world. Right? This was created by a local church. Okay? They give it away for free. They fund it all themselves. And uh, if you go onto the, 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 the website, uversion.com, there's a clicker, uh, and it just clicks for every time it gets up, updated, and it's clicking more than once per second. Clickety-click. It's phenomenal. So you can grab that for free. Follow along this morning. Tap that, Genesis chapter 3, and we'll start there at verse 1. If you haven't got an app, if you haven't got a smart device, we're going to put that on the screens. You can follow along as well this morning. Now, here's the story, picking it up. Now, this is right back at the beginning of, of the Bible, right back at the beginning of creation. Okay. Now, the serpent, which represents the devil, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. The serpent said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, the woman said to the serpent, "Ah, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you'll die. And the serpent replied, "Ah, you'll not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit on the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, eh, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. You can't defeat your enemy if you don't first discern your enemy. This is the reason that sporting teams send scouts or, you know, they call them scouts, they're spies. They send spies to sit in the grandstands of the team they're playing next week, okay? Because they want to discern the tactics of, well, I'm I'm sure they don't call them enemies, but, you know, opponents, people they're going to be coming against. And then not only have they sent spies the week before to see what the tactics of that team are, they'll also study uh, uh, video, you know, it used to be called game tape. It's not on a tape anymore. You probably knew that. Study video of that team all through the week because... As a sporting team, if they want to win, they, need to, they understand that, that how you play depends on who you play. You can't just take a one-size-fits-all approach and hit everyone with the same stick and expect the same result, expect victory every time. You won't defeat your enemy unless you first discern your enemy. And what we need to appreciate, what we need to understand, what we need to discern is... If we want to live in the garden, okay, this, this, the garden was a place where God dwelt with people in relationship, in perfect harmony, nothing in the way. If we want to live with God in that sort of relationship, we need to actually understand the tactics that the enemy uses to try and lead us away from that place so we don't buy into them. And you'll notice in this story that the devil didn't pose an obvious question, a question that would, would obviously say, you know, turn 180 degrees. You know, Jesus said, come follow me. And the devil then turns up one day and says, yeah, no, actually, come follow me. He doesn't take that approach because we're too smart for that. 
we'd recognize him coming down the front hallway. We'd re- when you've discovered God, when you have started a relationship with God, when you've started to appreciate something of who he is, his nature, his character, his goodness, his love, then the, then the devil just knocking on our front door, barging down and saying, ah, chuck all that away, mate, spin around 180, come follow me. It won't work. We're too smart for that. So he doesn't pose the question, come follow me. He poses a question that raises some doubt in our mind. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? See, understand the tactic of the enemy. He doesn't break down the front door. He sneaks in the side door. And he starts hanging question marks all over the place. And sometimes you're looking and sometimes you're not. He starts hanging question marks all over the place. Before I go any further, I want you just to maybe think about what question marks has the enemy broken into your place and started hanging around? Did God really say You could become financially free, pay off your debt, not be like all the morons who work all week for Visa card, even though they think they're working for themselves. Did God really say you could get out of debt? Really say? Did God really say you could have a fulfilling career, not just be stuck in some boring dead-end job that you live for TGIF instead of TGIM? Did Did God really say you could get to that place? Did God really say you could get your health back? Really? Did God really say that? See, the devil's plan is all about deception. He said, did God really say you mustn't eat from any tree? Well, let's rewind to chapter 2. Let's find out what God did really say. I hate guesswork. The guys that I lead know this about me. Don't guess. Try to guess, you're going to be wrong most of the time. If you ever watch the film Apollo 13, they're in mission control. They hear, they hear Houston, we have a problem. So the, the leader of the flight plan gets all the best engineers together, gets them all in a room and says, look, we've we got we to fix this. We've got to get these guys back. They're going to run out of oxygen in a certain amount of time. We've we got to find out how, how much time that is. And one guy says, well, I think it's only this much. And another guy says, engineer says, well, I think they've only got this much oxygen. And he said, listen, get the facts, people. You only make things worse by guessing. Life and death is on the line. You only make things worse by guessing. This is the great thing. God just didn't make, let these stories happen. He wrote them down. So you and I don't have to guess what the devil's up to. We can know what the devil's up to. We can discern his tactics. We can therefore hopefully not get sucked in by them. His plan is deception. Did God really say you mustn't eat from any tree? Well, you know what? Good news is we can find out what God did really say. Rewind chapter 2, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, Adam, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. That's flipping great news. It's like a sizzler, all-you-can-eat buffet, 24-7, 365. You can eat from any. That's what God did really say. Wow, 
Oh, hang on, there's a semicolon there. Bugger. But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of that, only that, you'll certainly die. But the devil comes in and says, did God really say? You must not eat from, from any tree in the garden. So th- this is a battle between good and evil. This is a battle between what God did say and what the devil wants you to think God said. There's evil at work here. It's about deception. Now, parents, parents, you understand the nature of evil very, very well. Oh, hang with me here. I'm not about to say your kids are the devil incarnate, but, you know, Louis' sister... Uh, Louis's sister had a um, Louis sister, uh, I do know who said that, but I'm going to pretend I don't. Um, Louis' sister, oh, shit. Uh, so she had a little baby boy, Isaac, and uh, uh, he's coming up for his first birthday shortly. When he was seven months old, he had three little teethies poking through. Um, his mum, Louis' sister, uh, he'd, he'd been touching something, and, and, and she went to... To, to touch him and, and give him a little tap and say, you know, Isaac, you, you can't touch that. So Isaac grabbed mum's finger and with his three little teethies, he bit mum's finger. And then, having bit mum's finger, he cracked up laughing. <laughs> oh, isn't that adorable? No! Well, yeah, we thought it was actually. <laughs> his mum didn't laugh. But where does a seven-month-old kid learn that from? There's something in us. This is called original sin. There's something in us that still translates today that we we were born with. We didn't learn. And it comes back to this idea that there's something unfortunately in us. There's a battle of good and evil. And parents, you've seen this. but, But let me tell you, parents, you've also seen the solution. Kids do this thing. They don't know this is what it's called, but but it's called triangulation. Okay. Whether you know that's what it's called or not, let me explain how it works and, and you'll, you, you'll get it. You'll relate. Junior comes up to daddy and goes, um, Daddy, uh, can I stay up late tonight? And daddy, daddy's pretty switched on. Daddy knows that, that Junior's in the habit of asking mum first, right? And, and if he doesn't get what he wants from mum, he comes to dad and tries to get a different answer. So, but smart daddy, knowing this, says... Buddy, what did your mum say? And Junior goes, well, and, you go, and Smart Daddy says, listen, buddy, I don't want you to even tell me what the answer is because here's my answer. I say what mum said. Fathers, are you, husbands, are you writing this stuff down? This is flipping priceless, man. What mum said, I say. And I'm thinking about this as it relates to Adam and Eve. If only Eve could have gotten this one down. Hashtag game changed. Did God really say you cannot eat from any tree in the garden? I wish that Eve's response would have been, listen, devil. What God said, I say. We're not going to try and tweak and manipulate. We're not going to try and guess. I was there. 
You were there. You're trying to triangulate, get around God. Listen, my approach, buddy, is just a simple, simple, simple one. What God said, I say. Exclamation mark. Said with the middle finger protruding high in the air. In other words, when the devil starts hanging question marks around your life, my best advice to you is take that question mark and turn it into an exclamation mark. What God said, I say. God said, I have a future and a hope. And yes, I might be stuck in a dead-end job for now, but I'm going to work hard in that dead-end job. I'm going to show God that, 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 that because I'm a follower of Him, I'm going to bring my best. I'm going to add value. I'm going to keep preparing. I'm going to go back to study if I need to part-time. And I'm going to position myself that when God said, oh, you've got a future and a hope, I believe it. What God said, I say. God said, I'm more than a conqueror. And yes, I might be having some health issues now, but I'm going to stop eating like a teenager and moving like a pensioner and flip those things around and see my health turn around. Yeah, come on. God said, he'll never leave me or forsake me. And yes, my husband might be being a douchebag right now. And yes, we may be on the brink of divorce, but God said, he'll never leave me or forsake me. What God said, I say, exclamation mark. This Bible stuff's really boring. And here's the other thing. I'm going to just show you a few things around this story. The devil doesn't just hang a question mark over God's instructions. He's ultimately hanging a question over God's intentions. He doesn't just want us to doubt God's word. He wants us to doubt God's actual character. He tries to make us think God's a God of limitations. Yeah, mate, you can go to Sizzler, but you can only have the iceberg lettuce. That's what God says. Yeah. Just the iceberg lettuce. No salt. But the truth is, God's a God of, not a God of limitations, He's a God of liberation. But maybe you've sometimes heard him portrayed as a God of limitations. Who do you think's behind that slander campaign? Hmm? I just, I'm outing him right now. The devil, the devil wants us to think God's a God of limitations because if he is, why would anyone want to follow him? Sounds like a world of boring. Sounds like a world of beige. Sounds like a world of ricotta cheese on rice crackers. While everyone else is having steak and, and, you know, it's like, that's what, if we doubt God being a God of liberation, why would anyone follow him? But here's the problem. Over time, some churches have perpetuated this thing. Teaching on sex. Sex is dirty. Sex is filthy. Sex is disgusting. So save it for your husband. Mm. Did God really say that? Did God really say that? You can go and study that for yourself. I'm not here to be bringing Encyclopedia Britannica, whatever, whatever that is. 
The only limitations God places on us are limitations designed to protect us. You might think becoming like God is a good thing. Go and watch Bruce Almighty this afternoon. You don't want that job. With the advent of smartphones and and tablets, it came this uh, kind of thing, or popularized this thing called autocorrect. And, uh, you, you know, you're typing a word or you're about to send a text and, and the little squiggly red line comes under it or whatever. Or, 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 or oftentimes as you're typing it, it'll, it'll, it'll automatically change it into some other word, what it thinks is the correct word, this autocorrect feature, which is brilliant. Okay, brilliant. Saves a lot of time. Backspace, backspace. Sometimes you don't even need this. You go, yep, that's the word I want. <laughs> Thank God. Thank Steve Jobs, whoever come first for autocorrect. Praise you. Praise. Fantastic. But, but... Sometimes autocorrect will fail you. And, and one wrong word in a message will change the entire thread of that conversation. Don't believe me? Let me give you a couple of examples here today. Let's throw the first one up. Love you, babe. Good night. My love for you is strong. I'd buy you a casket if I could. Oops, castle. I meant castle. Autocorrect. Why do you have to ruin me so? Emily? Hello? All right, next one. Come over, I miss you. I'm too fat. Well, I guess you should use the gym membership I got you. Too far, far. Um, what? What? <laughs> and lucky last, how's my little pregnant girl? OMG, mom, how did you? No, I, I mean perfect. Wait, what? <laughs> so... So the devil takes this message that God has sent us, this idea that he's a God of liberation, that we can eat from any tree. We can live in the garden with him in in paradise, in perfect relationship with him. We can eat from any tree, any tree, every tree, any tree, every tree, except one. And the devil takes that and he, well, he doesn't try to auto-correct it. He tries to auto-manipulate it. And here's what he said. The woman said to the serpent, actually, no, God said we may, we may eat from the trees in the garden. Oh, but God did say you mustn't eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you'll die. <laughs> Come on. You, you won't certainly die. I mean, you know. Maybe 50-50, but, you know, got to live on the edge sometimes, Eve. But God knows that, that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like him, knowing good and evil. Who wouldn't want that? And the eyes of both of them were opened. Mm. They realized they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And the man and his wife heard the sound the Lord God He's walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. If you ever played hide and seek with your kids when they're young, you, you remember they, they thought the places that they hid were impenetrable. <laughs> They'd never find me behind this curtain. <laughs> You know, and you pretend, oh, well, I wonder where Junior is. Junior, where are you? See the toes poking out from behind on the curtain. Junior, I can't find you anywhere. <laughs> well, I'm so flipping clever. <laughs> so here we have a picture of Adam and Eve hiding in the garden that God created behind some fig leaves. As if God won't find them. Wow, it's camouflage. It's amazing. 
problem is you can't live in the promises of God from a hiding place. They weren't hiding from him before they disobeyed him. Now they're hiding from him, not doing a very good job of it. Because by the way, even if they'd flipping paper mashed themselves with fig leaves, God would have still found them. We can't live in the promises of God from a hiding place. But we hide behind shame. We hide when we know we've disobeyed God. We retreat. We, we tuck in behind the curtain, but our toes are still showing. But here's the great news. God actually went looking for them. God went looking for them, not because God didn't know where they were, but because they didn't know where they were. They weren't lost to God. They were lost from the promises of God. They were lost from the relationship with God. This was a oops moment for mankind. But God moved towards them. And this is a picture of the very nature of God. God is not hunting us down to remind us of all the things we've done wrong. God is hunting us down because he pursues us, because he created us for a relationship with him and he continues the pursuit despite what we've done. And when we know that about him, we don't have to hide. We're never going to get it perfect. We're going to be tempted to reach for the fig leaf, but God gives us a picture that we don't need to. And by the way, even if we have, even if some of you right now have been hiding from him and you're sitting here right now like big face palm, God is looking for you not to rub it in, not to rub you out, but to rub your sin out, to actually say, I'm going to give you a fresh start if you want it, because I want more than anything to have a relationship with you. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Wow. You know, it's, hey, where are you? See, tone is everything. Oi! Where are you? There's no exclamation mark there. There's a question mark. There's a sweet sound to this question. Hey, where are you? The man answered, well, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. It's a metaphor. They were naked before, but they, they had no reason to hide because they hadn't done anything wrong. Now they've done something wrong. They do, oh, bugger, God's going to see it. Yeah, well, he's going to see it. and ain't no fig leaf going to cover it up. But God's going to come looking for you. He's going to ask, where are you? Where are you? Oh, well, so I hid. Call that hiding? <laughs> Bozo. And, he, and, and God said, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were naked? You can answer that in your brain, by the way, because we already kind of told you who told them. This is like this is like rhetorical question. God knew as well. Who told you you were naked? Ah, ah. Oh, hang on a second. Have you eaten from that tree I commanded you not to eat from? We can get more into that, and you know, I mean, I'm surprised that we're only going to teach eight weeks on this stuff. I was just about exploding yesterday when I was finishing prepping this. But here's, here's the thing. I want to finish this message with this big idea for you. 
Because some of you have got question marks that the devil's hung in your mind. Early this year, we, we taught a series called Crash the Chatterbox, this idea that, God, that the devil's in one ear, just chattering away, casting doubts, asking questions. Did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really say that you are not going to be a great parent just because you grew up in a single uh, parent household and you didn't have the modeling of a mum or a dad? Did God really say that? Who told you that? That's what God comes in. The devil said, devil, devil said, did God really, did God really, did God really say that you could have a fulfilling and successful career? Well, if he did, how come you're working in a dead end job and, the, and God comes in looking for you, hiding, thinking you're going to miss the promises of God, hiding behind fig leaves. Oh, stupid dead end job. Oh, God's lost my number, lost my address, lost my email. Man, this is my life. This is how it's going to be. Can't wait till I turn 65. And God comes in and says, where are you? And he hears you, these questions that are going on in your head that have been put there by the devil. And he says to us, who told you that? Or God said that, 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 that I one day would, would be uh, in, a, in, a, in a position where I could actually serve him full time in a, in a paid ministry role. And here I am uh, uh, laying bricks. Here I am. Uh, as a secretary in some stupid office environment, like the flipping caged chickens. Seems to me that, that God, this promise that God gave to me, that, 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 that he's reneged on his end of the deal. And God comes to your little cubicle and he says, where are you? Stop hiding. Where are you? Well, I'm here because I'm stuck. Because I'm never going to get out of here. And God says, who told you that? You know, my kids, you know, brought them up. Church environment. And prayed with them regularly. And flipped the Bible open sometimes. And, you know, my dream in my heart was that my kids would follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. And yet... Here they are in their 20s and they didn't seem to want anything to do with him. So I've given up. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth keeping praying for them. God comes in and says, it's not worth it. Who told you that? What question marks has the devil been hanging around your place that you've now translated into your own voice in your head and you think it's you asking the question? You think that you somehow hung the question mark there. You didn't. You found it. <laughs> you didn't hang it. God wants you to turn that question mark into an exclamation mark. What God says, I say. Hey, got one more question. It's a question we ask every week. It's the most important question we ask every week, and that's whether you've made a decision to follow Jesus. There's an old, you think about stupid stuff when you drive, like, you know, driving doesn't take much thought, right? You just kind of drive. So straight roads, I mean, straight roads. <laughs> and so I was driving down Kuyong Road, straight road this morning. There's an old preacher's joke. It's not funny. It's like a dad joke, but like for preachers. And uh, the, the joke is that um, coming to church doesn't make you a follower of Jesus any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. <laughs> 
Right? So not funny, right? It's like a stupid joke. But the idea behind it is true. The idea behind it is that when God says, where are you? He's asking you personally to come out of your hiding place and to begin a relationship with him where he wants to restore what was lost. He wants to get back to that restoration of, of a, a relationship where you don't have to hide. And uh, I want to give you that opportunity right now, personally, right now, to make that decision to say, yep, I want to have a relationship with God the way he intended it. This might be your first time here this morning, and I'm asking you the question. This might be your 20th time here this morning. I'm asking you the same very question, if you haven't ever answered that question. Yes or no, you've got to answer it. Mm-hmm. Yes or no, okay. Yes, I want to follow Jesus, have that relationship with God. No, or, or just not right now, all right. But why wait? I'm encouraging you to say yes. So in a moment, I just want you to put your hand up if you're ready to say yes this morning. Just saying, yep, God, that's me. I'm here, like you did at school. I'm here. I want to have that relationship with you. You want to see your hand, you can put it down, and then we're just going to pray. So real quickly, just lift your hand if you want to have that relationship with God. You've never had it. You're in your hiding place. Good on you. Who else? Just quickly slip your hand up, make sure I can see it, then you can put your hand down. Then we're going to pray real quickly. There's no pressure, it's not a manipulation, we don't have any kind of, you know, tricks. It's the honest question, but it's the best question, most important question. Let's pray. So one person raise their hand, that's fantastic. How about we all pray though? So that's what we do, you know, we think of ourselves as a, a family and we families pray together. So say these words after me, dear Jesus... I thank you for coming to earth, for dying in my place. I thank you that you forgive me, that I don't need to hide, that you sought me out. And from this day forwards, I will sing a new song. What you said, I say. I am free. You're a God of liberation not limitation. And because of you, I live in Jesus' name. Amen. How about we give it up?